the best person to get on your board is a person who just retired because they still have this energy and they want to do something. They have all the skills they have acquired over their working lives. And again, it goes back to they have a sense of purpose that they're giving back and that their life is meaningful. I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Today on the podcast, Tanner Moore CFP and Alex Armstrong CFP discuss successful retirement planning and the emotions involved. Up next, they discuss the differences in how men and women approach retirement, how to understand the retirement mindset, and what inspired Alex to write her new book. But first, this episode is powered by... One of the biggest benefits of FPA membership is their group insurance plans. I know this because I have gotten my personal disability insurance through FPA and Ryan Insurance for many years. On top of that, FPA announced last year that their members and firms are now eligible for FPA's group health plans. These new plans, which are available in every state, offer coverage for groups of two or more employees. They include all major insurance carriers, are ACA compliant, and as group plans, there are many plans with no medical underwriting. This is a huge benefit that is providing financial planning firms access to affordable health insurance. To learn more, visit associationinsurancebenefits.com and click on group health plans. Well, today we have Alex Armstrong on the podcast with us, and I'm so excited to have her here with us. She was the first woman to ever get her CFP. Is that right, Alex? No, I was the first one in Washington, D.C., but I also was one of the first women. It was in that sort sort of the first way. I think there were two or three before me. (laughs) So you were one of the very first women to get their CFP. So you have seen a lot in this profession. Uh, And so it's always, always a pleasure to talk to you. But so thank you for joining us. My pleasure. You just wrote a book called Your Next Chapter, A Woman's Guide to a Successful Retirement. And so we are going to not so much be talking about career paths today, but we're going to be talking about how we can be better financial planners, specifically talking about retirement and women um, in specific. So I am so glad to have you have you join us on for this. Um, And you recently kind of stepped back yourself, right? I finally, uh, at the uh, ripe old age of 80, decided that I was moving all my clients over to my partners. Thank God I have great partners to do that with. And uh, I'm just peripherally involved with the management of the firm. So you have this great perspective of decades of a career helping clients navigate into retirement, and you're living it right now, too. So even better to have this conversation with you right now. Even better, but uh, we've written the book over the last two years, so that it helped in my planning as I was writing a book with a psychologist about retirement for women. It made me think my own decisions to make, you know, about where I would live and how you make the transition. For instance, I'm now in Sarasota, Florida, after living my life in Washington, D.C., so there are transitions like that that many people face. What kind of inspired you to to take the time to, to write this book? Well, it really was inspired by the fact that I most retirement books I read, or we looked at a lot of them, and by we, I read it with a psychologist, and that's how this book is different. But we looked out there, and they were either from the financial point of view, how do you make your money last as long as you do, or how do you travel around the world and have a good time? But there was nothing out there that we could find that was combining the two. How can you 
have financial, make financial decisions that are sound, but at the same time, uh, emotionally adjust to retirement. And that's what's often ignored is that there is an adjustment. It is a change. It's just our previous book that we wrote was about widows and how your life changes when you are no longer a couple and you are a widow. Well, the same thing here. This is a major change in your life. And I don't think people are prepared for the change it's going to be make. And so that's how it's different from, uh, that's why we thought it was. And when we were counseling, both of us work a lot with women, uh, we, we perceived this. And it's no longer the woman, 75 years ago, the woman was managing the household. Well, that's a big job. But nowadays, they're managing the household and they're managing a job. And in Many time cases, it's a demanding job. So they're juggling both of these. So, you know, we're all masters of, of multitasking and it's gotten to be more. And so you, the women have actually accumulated some retirement funds and they may not have been involved with the investments. Uh, their husband may or their spouse may have been handling uh, the investments. And so um, because they had so much else on their plate. Uh, as far as that goes. I think what's unique kind of about the angle that you're taking is being focused on women. So how is it different or is there a difference between men and women as they approach retirement and and they make that transition? Definitely. uh, There is a difference. First of all, as you know, women live five years uh, on the statistics say women live five years longer than men. The most recent census figures indicate that by age 75, the majority of women are single, whereas most men that age are married. Therefore, women's retirement funds, which are often smaller than men's because maybe they didn't work in as high paying jobs or for as long as men have to last longer. 20% of all women live past the age of 90 and 10% live past 94. And statistics indicate that the wealthier you are, both male and female, the longer you live. So that, you know, we used to do our retirement projections for age 100. I, I think maybe we should make it 105 <laughs> because wow. people are living longer. And as I said, well-educated, wealthier people live longer. If you look at the obituaries, you'll see more and more that are in their 90s and possibly their 100s. Largely in my base, the client base that I'm seeing, it's usually the men that are having a more difficult time in that retirement. Has that been what you've seen or is that just my my biased experience? Well, I think it depends on uh, the person and whether they have women, as you know, are more socially oriented. They have more, usually have a network of friends, whereas men, often their network is work-related. So when they step down from a job, I remember talking to a vice friend of mine who's a vice president of an insurance company, and he said when he retired and he called somebody, it was who was he, it was like he lost his identity. People didn't return the calls. And he felt that was a real loss to him because retirement involves much more than a loss of a paycheck. It involves a loss of identity, recognition, purpose, and a social network. And in many cases, you're right, the men have more trouble with it. But what's happening now is, let's say that you are, well, like me, chairman of a company, and people pay a lot of attention to you and say, oh, that's great. And you tell people what to do, and they say, that's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, you don't have that anymore. 
And that has been true for men for a long time, but it's a newer phenomenon for women because women were in less responsible jobs, but now they're are in more responsible jobs and uh, and they miss being a big deal. You know, when you walk in the room, people pay attention to you. Well, in the retirement community, they don't care who you were. <laughs> so, Well, it's so great in this book. You really kind of dive into some of those details. Um, but what factors should women consider when they're making a decision regarding their living situation specifically? Well, I think the living situation is a major thing. And see, that's a good example of where the financial and the emotional intertwine. Um, because both have to be considered to make a good decision. And it's something that you have to talk through if you have a partner, because your partner may want to live in Florida and you want to live in Arizona. And until you start talking about that uh, ahead of time, you, you've got to resolve that one way or the other. Uh, but the other things often, and I hate to stereotype, but it's true, that women are more, may want to stay closer to family and with friends, that's, that's really important to them. Whereas for a man, it's maybe not as important uh, as that. And so, um, and then the other things to think about, do you want to downsize? Do you want to stay in your same geographic area? Actually, statistics are that most people do stay in their own geographic area. And even ones who don't and move to Florida uh, decide, you know, they miss being around familiar things and they move back. So uh, that's important. Um, Some people decide they want to, um, you know, somebody said, well, you want to live abroad. Well, COVID has changed a lot of those things. And I think a lot of people are thinking differently about um, moving from where they are. But uh, but of course, it's a financial decision, too. You know, if you downsize, you don't have as many expenses. If you're an apartment all on one floor, that's easier than a single family dwelling. So there's a lot involved. We have a whole chapter in the book about it. As financial planners, and especially as newer financial planners, what do we need to know um, about this transition? Probably talk to your to your parents and your grandparents <laughs> and see how they are 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 negotiating this time in their lives. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind is not a, just a financial decision; it is an, an emotional thing. You are going to have to adjust from getting up at the same time every day and going to work. And as I said, most people, many people, especially if they're listening to us, they, they're going to be financially able to retire. But the question is, what are they going to do with their free time? I mean, if they retire at 60, 65, they got another 30 years ahead of them. And so what it's, if you could start planning what will give purpose to your life? What do you want to do volunteer work? And I'm saying when you're working with your client, how do you envision your life when you retire? And most of them haven't thought about it. All they've considered is getting through their job and, and doing a good job. And that encompasses all their time. And they don't take time to reflect on how do I want to spend the rest of my life? And some, some, um, the, the great thing is the phased in retirement is much more prevalent. I mean, that's definitely what I did over the last four years is I went from having 250 clients to having none. Well, that takes a little work to get to move them from one side to the other. And, um, so it's that sort of thing of, if you work for yourself or you're in able to do phased in retirement, 
that's a good way to ease rather than when there are people who work for a corporation and it's a certain date and they have to stop working and that's the end of it. That's, that's a lot harder, but they might've built a second career. They might've built something else they wanted to do with the rest of their lives. So when talking to your clients about retirement, I think you have to think, how are you going to fill your time and to give you meaning and purpose because that's that's really the most important thing. And as we're meeting with clients, often there's two partners um, that are and that are involved in it. And what do planners need to know about making sure that both people are getting what they need from us as planners and not just focusing on one or the other? Well, I think that, you know, that statistic they always quote about widows and how, uh, what is it, 75% leave their advisor. Well, it's because the advisor didn't do their job, which was make sure to involve both people in it. And even if uh, one partner, and sometimes it is a woman, is less involved, make sure they're at the meeting, make sure they're included, make sure, I know, and uh, we, we actually give written recommendations. And we make sure both of them get it. And we ask them questions. How do you feel about this? I mean, I'm not a touchy-feely financial planner, but emotional reactions, you have to make sure both are on board and both are talking. I mean, that example I gave about Florida and Arizona, I've actually had that happen. Uh, When I sat there and I said, so where do you want to retire? And one says Florida and one says Arizona. Well, you know, and then they look at each other in surprise and say, really? (laughs) And I think it's all of us get so busy with our lives. We don't focus on the future or maybe we're afraid to, to focus on the future. You know, that's interesting that we might be afraid to focus on the future. How how can financial planners help in that situation? Well, I think it is um, thinking about what what would you do all day? I mean, are you going to take adult education classes? Are you going to spend more time with your grandchildren and with your family? Um, are you going to be more involved in nonprofit uh, volunteer work? Um, I know that I, I've been involved with a couple of uh, nonprofits. I'm, with, uh, I'm on the board of the Boys and Girls Club down here in Sarasota. And it's one of the first things that I got involved in because it was a way, um, I believe, in helping the underprivileged youth. I think everybody does, but they do a really good job. And I wanted to know people in the community. And it was a good way to know people who had been in the community, some of them for a couple of generations. And it was a way to connect. So I think you have to be thinking of what do I want to do? Or maybe I always wanted to paint or oh, want to garden more or whatever. I think the other thing to keep in mind is the physical part is that um, doing some regular exercise makes difference. It, it makes a difference um, psychologically. It prolongs your life, but it puts you in a good mood. So that sort of thing, you you don't have an excuse not to do that as you did when you were working. So, But I think the key is just Spend some time thinking about what you'd like to do. And not everything's going to work out. Let's say that I joined the Boys and Girls Club board and I didn't like it. I love it, as it turns out. But if I didn't like it, well, there are other things you can do. You know, there's no one set answer. There's going to be different things you try and work out. Some work out and some don't. Knowing that sometimes there are decades, there's decades separating them out from from their age and the clients that they're helping kind of transition to retirement. What can younger planners do to position themselves well in those situations? 
Well, as I said, I would get to know the older members of your family or friends and talk to them about it and say, and so then when they talk to clients and sometimes they're talking to the children, I mean, in other words, the children are in their 30s, 40s or whatever, and they'll, they, they can help their parents. So, so you can talk to them and say, what are you dealing with with your parents? Um, and what are some of the ideas of what, what they're experiencing? Uh, again, <laughs> this is self-serving, but if you read the book, I think you'll get in the mindset because what we've done is we've taken the example of four women and different circumstances and different and, and that their thought process as they go through planning for retirement and how they are surprised and how things change. Um, I mean, one thing that uh, some people talk about, which is a surprise, it's called gray divorce. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but all of a sudden, two people who maybe both of them were working, they were very busy, et cetera, et cetera. Then they retire and then they look at each other and say, "Mm, not sure we really have as much in common as we thought we did now that we're spending all our time together. So there is a high rate of divorce when people retire. So I think just getting to, to, to talk to people who have retired, uh, read some books about retirement. And, uh, but I think it's a great thing to do with your uh, clients who are the children of the people retired or about to retire because to get them to plan. Because we all know that the hardest thing to do with the parents is to take away the keys, the car keys, and the checkbook So <laughs> because they feel a lack of identity. So you talk through different things that, that they will face. I, I hope I answered your question. but Yeah, no. Well, I think it's a really good answer because it's you know, the more we can understand about our clients, knowing that everybody is so like, we're all individuals and we all experience things differently, but the more we can understand the different challenges that different types of clients face or, you know, the different emotions that are going to be involved there, you're going to be better prepared to be in those meetings when you hear things of, I'm really struggling with retirement. You're going to be like, oh, you have a point of reference. You have larger narratives that you can pull back on. Uh, also, I'd recommend um, the, the person who's really started me thinking about it. I think the book is 20 years old, something like that. The New Retire Mentality by Mitch Anthony. He's the one who started this uh, when I remember hearing a lecture at an FPA meeting and uh, and how he said how um, his parents, you know, only play golf so much and it doesn't uh, it rains sometimes. And <laughs> And that some of his parents' friends have become alcoholics when they retired and how and how this was like a light bulb going off. And he said, oh, my gosh, you know, they've got to prepare more than financially. They have to prepare mentally for this transition and recognize that it is a major change in your life. And so, again, if you're a younger planner working with a uh, with an older client, recognize that they are going through this transition. I know one thing. Uh, some of us did at one time was somebody was retiring. Well, you know, most people, and this is old fashioned, but most people had a business card. Well, when you retire, you might give them a uh, card that had their name and their address and their phone number on it so that they could give that to people when they met them. So uh, let's be in touch, et cetera. And it helps the transition to retirement. So that, and I would be, when they first retire, I would be in touch with them more often. Um, as again, I said, with widowhood, I, I, that 
you want to be particularly sensitive to the issues and maybe invite them to lunch or do something because they're going to be, unless they plan very well, and most people don't, they're going to be a little bit at loose ends. And so if you can touch base and take them to lunch or, you know, think of something to do with them, it would be, uh, it's going to be very appreciated because they have this void in their lives after not working all this time. You know, we have this this idea of you, like retirement is like this big goal that you achieve and like you finally made it, but that's not really how people experience it. That's true. In fact, there's usually this sort of euphoria that you don't have to get up and you can spend. The fact is, if you're someone used to structure in your life, you don't enjoy it that much when you don't have a reason to get up. I mean, I know in COVID, I think there this is so good. I was talking to my husband. I said, I said, now, just because we, there's not much, we can't get out too much. We still got to get up and get dressed and, and, you know, take a shower, you know, not the stories about people in their pajamas all the time. It's, it's, you, you got to keep standards to uh, keep going, <laughs> but that's just me. Oh, well, how has, that's, it's interesting you bring up COVID. How has COVID affected retirement planning and specifically retirement planning for women? It's gotten people to rethink. As I referenced, teachers are saying, do I really want to go in the classroom? Uh, do I want to risk myself? Do I want to risk my family? Um, I, I, I heard the story just yesterday of a doctor who has practiced for 35 years. He was going to retire in a couple of, this is a guy, but a couple of years. And he said, I don't like remote counseling with uh, my patients. I'm quitting now. And I think, so it's getting people, but how much better if they had thought this process through sooner? Really, that's the point of our book is plan ahead. I mean, our whole profession is plan ahead and we, we beat that drum with all our clients. But I think you can reach your clients better by saying now COVID's a good example. I mean, they say that the the will will writing business has, has geometrically gone up because people say, oh my gosh, I've known for years I should have a will, but now I understand why. So, and, and so they're doing it. So I, I, I think that uh, that's important. So specifically to women, the COVID has changed. They are saying, I'd rather spend, maybe I've only got so much time. I want to spend more time with my family. Uh, I'll give you another example. Uh, the manager of our apartment building um, is uh, just had a baby. And she was supposed to come back to work. And she said, no, I'm not coming back to work. She said, I want to spend time with my child. I don't want to risk her health or my health. And so I'm I'm stopping working. I may return eventually, but it's not now. So I so that's and that's part of the reason that women have less of the retirement plans. When they step aside to have children or to deal with a family issue or whatever, they don't get as many years into their retirement funds. And so that can affect their future. We talk about, you know, COVID, but just in general, like a lot of people we know. I know most of my clients, you know, we have retirement dates planned for them, but sometimes they don't reach it. Sometimes they're laid off. Sometimes there's a job change. Sometimes there's that uncertainty that kind of forces them to retire sooner. And that actually is one of our vignettes of, uh, of uh, retirement in the book is we have a woman who 
stepped aside and took care of her children until they were school age, then went back as a lawyer in a firm. And as she's really getting up to speed. And so the book is like reading a novel at the same time you're reading the factual stuff. And so all of her son and her husband gets rift. His company gets built out, uh, bought out. And he's in his 60s. So he's trying to debate whether to um, try to find another job, which is not easy in your 60s, or whether to retire. And they realize they haven't really planned they, you know, they've been so busy with their careers and he thought he had a job forever. And so all of a sudden, both of them, and she really doesn't want to quit. She likes her job as a lawyer in a law firm. And, but he's thinking, well, maybe I want to retire. And so that all the decisions you, you have to make. So um, that's a good example, like COVID, unexpected events. But these people had not done any planning because they said, oh, I've got lots of time. And I think everybody thinks they have lots of time, but they really don't. So what are the unique challenges for a couple who hasn't done planning up to this point? Where I mean, like what, but like, you know, as financial planners, when somebody comes into our office who hasn't done that work, uh, what, what do we need to know about them? Well, the fact they come in the office is a good sign. <laughs> it may end it because I think that's usually, um, I, I found in my practice, the reason people uh, sought help was because they had inherited some money all of a sudden before they didn't have anything, or they had gotten to an age where they had gotten through a lot of their financial uh, things. Their children had gone through school and their mortgage was almost paid off. And they thought, oh my gosh, in 10 or 15 years, I'm going to retire. Maybe I should do some planning. Um, and so I think that that really is the catalyst. Or they, again, with their parents, realized maybe they didn't do such good planning. Uh, and so maybe it's a good idea that they do it. But And that's, I, I don't know about other people's practices, but we have experienced, there are five uh, partners in our firm, we have seen next to no divorces. And I think it's because they, um, they went to seek planners um, help if they were going to stay together. So <laughs> that, that the fact that they are planning for their future uh, means that, you know, there's a good chance this, this marriage will last, as they say. That's so funny. I took it from a different angle of being like, good financial planning reduces a financial stress, which is, you know, one of the top reasons for divorce. So right. good financial planning reduces divorce. But I love, I love your angle of they just wouldn't come to us in the first place. Right. <laughs> And I think sometimes it's um, they see that somebody hasn't done the planning and is, is, you know, we all have friends, unfortunately, who lived high on the hog and went through all the money. And now they're living past when they I mean, I had a partner in law firm and came in and said he was in his 90s and he was about to run out of money. And he said, I never expected to live this long, you know, and so uh, it, it's it, it's. Retirement is a big topic. <laughs> it's it's a lot bigger than it's it's probably one of the major, if not the major, change in your life. Because always before you knew, you know, you knew you were going to go to school, then you were going to probably get married or not get married. Well, we'll see. Uh, buy a house, get a job, go ahead in your career, try to to be better in your career, and then all of a sudden you're retired. And now what do you do? And it's 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 tough. It really is tough. And you have to sort of work at making it be a happy time. Um, 
and and it can be and it can be wonderful i'm enjoying it but you 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 have to stay involved uh that's probably the the most important thing Again, I'm speaking as a younger planner. You know, my perspective of the financial plan and, and and looking at it is different than my client's perspective. And I was talking to another financial planner recently and we were talking, you know, he, he was going off about how there's lots of ways you can make the plan work. And he just kind of wrapped it up with being like, or you can die sooner. And so I was talking to some, I was talking to some clients and, you know, we were talking about the financial plan and, you know, you know, it was up on the screen. We're going through the decision center and e-money and, and, you know, one of the things I, I brought up, I was like, you know, there's all these, you know, there's all these different levers that we can pull or if you just die sooner. And I was shocked because both of the clients were like, oh, yeah, there's no way we're living to what you're projecting. And I just had no idea that that was in their mind. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, so it was, it was just really it was just really interesting to even just looking at the assumptions that I make in my plan and in what I do and and knowing that, you know, people have a different perspective of end of life as well. Well, the other thing is uh, that reminds me that I have a, a older clients and or had a lower, older client and one had been the wife had been seriously ill and the husband was the partner in the law firm that retired. He ran everything. And and then she recovered and he died. And it was and she wrote me. I, I had sent her the book um, and she's in her 70s. And she said, I realized that I always de delegated everything to my husband and I had, because we always assumed that I would die first. And she said, all of a sudden the thing got reversed and I realized I, I've got to know more than I know. Uh, now she'd been working with her for, for a long time and that part was fine. But she said, I, I so enjoyed your book because it made me think about what the other things are. So. So one topic that we haven't touched on that I'm really interested to hearing your thoughts on, because we're finding this in my practice, is we're getting very successful single women uh, who are looking to retire. Right. Can you talk about the unique challenges that are involved in a single woman with no kids looking at retirement? That's really one of the uh, major reasons that we wrote the book, because that is what has changed. Um, it is it, women have um, financial security, but as I pointed out, their financial security, but have been, but their their life may have revolved, particularly if they don't have children, they may have revolved around their job and their self identity, et cetera. So for them to make the adjustment is even harder. One of the women in the book we use is a college professor who was single and had no children. Uh, obviously, well, not obviously. She she had no children. She had um, a sister and uh, two uh, nephew and a niece that she was close to, but she's never. And she had been working all the time as this college professor, and she had some assets, and she was okay. But she she had to figure out what she was going to do. Was she going to teach part time? Is she going to? Turns out she ends up uh, leading college trips, uh, which we can't do right now. But 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 her struggle with was she going to move? She lived in Berkeley, California. Was she going to move to San Francisco? Did she know have enough money to do that? But but that would put her closer to the arts. And then she decided she's better in Berkeley because of education, et cetera. So long story short, um, this is really the new phenomenon is the successful person, a single person who does not have family. And what are they going to do? And uh, we hope they do do something that helps the community. I mean, because these women are talented, they're organized, um, 
And if they could help a nonprofit, you know, be run better, um, use some of the money they accumulated helping um, people um, thrive. But uh, we used to say, I, w- I was with another nonprofit when I was working, and we said the best person to get on your board is the person who just retired because they still have this energy and they want to do something, and they, but yet they have all the skills they have acquired over their working lives. And again, it goes back to they have a sense of purpose that they are giving back and that their life is meaningful. We have gotten some clients who are fit that demographic of single female, very successful in their career. And I always ask the question of looking back, what will make this a good decision for you to work with us? And I'm used to hearing answers like, I'll, I'll have confidence in retirement, peace of mind, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting because what I'm hearing is, is I mean, there, there's that in it, but it's also... I want to be able to trust somebody as I get older and that's going to be that I know has my best interest and will help me navigate the older years of my life because I don't have that family. That is a very good uh, point because it, you, you're not always going to have your health. And I've seen it in older clients and also with this uh, longevity situation, I've seen that they might have been very involved in the investment process when they were in their 70s. And then as they get older, male and female, they're less and less interested, but they, they, they want to make sure. And it's, it's, a big, it's a big responsibility for us as financial planners because we could be doing terrible things for them, you know, but, they, but that, that is also what makes our career so rewarding because we are like a family member and we are looking at their best interests. And we say, no, no, you don't need to give that nephew $100,000. He's gone through three other businesses and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and you are the... I always say we know more about the client than anybody else does. And and the, we're, we are, I remember that commercial, that we are a trusted family member. And uh, and we help them navigate and give them an independent uh, point of view. So, no, it's, it's very valuable, particularly for single people. Uh, I have um, uh, one woman who has, uh, who just moved into her t- retirement community. She's 80. And I said, so what made you make the decision? And she said, well, I'm single and I don't have any children and I have nieces and nephews, but um, I don't want them to have to worry about me. And this way they'll know I'm taken care of. So, you know, that, that, that you, you've got a good point. The single woman has even another set of issues than the married person. I mean, what when you get really sick, what's going to happen? You know, who's going to take care of you or who's going to care? So you're an important person to them. And that's what I said. Financial planning is, is a wonderful career because you use your brain, you help people, and you make a little money on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so for your book, it's it's an easy read. Um, it, it reads very quickly. Um, but So I think it's so valuable for financial planners. Um, but I also think it's a really good resource to send to your clients um, to help them. I mean, I know most a lot of my clients really appreciate when I send them books and different things like that. Um, and so this has definitely made our list of sending sending to clients as they're, as they're transitioning, you know, especially the women um, in, re- in retirement. So where can people find this book? Um, Amazon. Uh, just like <laughs> it is the one stop place, isn't it? And, uh, the Kindle version is $9.99 or something like that. And, and the uh, paperback uh, is, uh, is $20. So it is a good gift um, for someone. Uh, what we did at our firm is basically we sent 
anybody, any uh, people in that age range, you know, within 10 years of retirement, we sent it to them as a gift, um, said, you know, I autographed them and we sent it as a gift to them and saying, thinking of you and thought you might enjoy this. And, and we sold it, sent it to people who were already retired too, just say, and thought you might find this interesting and you can always give it to a friend or something like that. But um, we've gotten a lot of uh, appreciation for it. And as you said, it's an easy thing to send um, our previous book uh, for widows, which was the same premise, um, which is still a print on Amazon. It's called On Your Own. Um, we, we sent those as condolence presents for years. Um, because that's flowers die in a, a week, whereas this is a book you can refer to. And again, it um, it sort of cements your relationship. Uh, the if if you send that to someone, it it, uh, it it makes a better relationship and indicates you care. Yeah, well, and I love that it's written by a planner and a psychologist. And the psychologist is is a client and a friend. So we really wrote it together where she, I obviously would write the financial chapters, but she'd review it as a layperson and say how she would react to it. And I would read her stuff the same way. And the stories of the women are a collaboration between the two would say, would that really happen? And then, then what I did is I reached out to other financial planners, like um, the person who lives in Berkeley, I, uh, contacted Lisa Buey and I said, okay, tell me what the prices are for apartments in San Francisco and Berkeley and what's a realistic expectation. Because I wanted to make sure the book was accurate, you know, and I reached out to financial planner in Atlanta and did the same thing and also one in Michigan. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's fun working with people about real life examples because the reader identifies with the individual women. Oh, great stuff. Well, thank you so much for being with us and for writing this book. Again, it's called Your Next Chapter, A Woman's Guide to a Successful Retirement. Thank you, Alex, for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Hannah. I hope this helps some people help people have a happier retirement. Oh, I think it will. One of the biggest benefits of FPA membership is their group insurance plans. I know this because I have gotten my personal disability insurance through FPA and Ryan Insurance for many years. On top of that, FPA announced last year that their members and firms are now eligible for FPA's group health plans. These new plans, which are available in every state, offer coverage for groups of two or more employees. They include all major insurance carriers, are ACA compliant, and as group plans, there are many plans with no medical underwriting. This is a huge benefit that is providing financial planning firms access to affordable health insurance. To learn more, visit associationinsurancebenefits.com and click on group health plans. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live how we do what we do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner and help grow the financial planning profession.